All right, uh, what's up, everyone? Uh, we are back for more European Highlander podcast, but today we'll be doing something a little bit different. Um, Thomas, my trusty partner in crime, uh, is um, not uh, joining us today due to some other reasons. So uh, we're going to have a guest uh, guest co-host today, I guess you could say. So, um, going through the basic introductions first, my name is Yuso, otherwise known as Crispy Rice. Uh, I'm a content creator for our LGS Poromagia. Uh, I'm actually a streamer now. I just reached a Twitch affiliate a couple of weeks ago, I think. So, definitely, if you're interested to see some storm action, check out my uh, Twitch. Uh, you can find it uh, with my name, Crispy Rice, as as normal and that's basically all there is for me so we're gonna have our guest uh, Niels today so Niels could you introduce yourself a bit yeah hello my name is Niels I'm pleased to be part of the podcast thanks for having me um, I'm basically part of the Berlin Highlander community for like I think seven years around that time frame and uh, yeah I play Highlander a lot um, very competitive player, I think, and yeah, I um, was part of the last tournament we are going to talk about, so that seemed kind of fitting to have me on, I guess. And yeah, I'm very pleased uh, to make content for our beloved Highlander community, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, welcome aboard. Awesome to have you and glad you could join us. And uh, we also have Stephanie in the background. She has done the scripts and basically does all the planning and the ideas for the podcast. So definitely she deserves a, a shout out for that as well. So um, I think we're going to hop into the, the tournament scene. So that was the Mind Game Majors Berlin. Uh, so Niels, would you like to kick us off from here? Yeah, so let's then go to the first order of business is... So we had a new tournament series starting in Berlin, Mind Game Mages. We had 38 players, which is, I don't think it's not bad for a new tournament. And we had a actually very interesting top eight with lots of decks I have not seen for a while and also lots of cards I have not seen for a while. Maybe we can just um, summarize a little bit what uh, decks uh, reach the top eight after six rounds of Swiss. So we had a Timo Tempo list, which is very interesting, more like a Dryad Grow list, very, very lean and uh, low curve. Good old mainstay of competitive Highlander, one could probably say, four color blood. Is it control? It's very interesting cards. Maybe we can talk about the card choices later because they are literally cards that I have not seen before ever. <laughs> then we did uh, have a green-based ramp deck, splashing white and black. Very, very, very strong deck. The pilot uh, top-aided seven out of his last eight tournaments he played in with that list. Four-color reanimator. Next up, very interesting five-color scapeshift list. We are probably going to go uh, and talk more in-depth about a little bit later. And uh, Grix's Tempo, pretty stock, not very interesting list. I played myself, <laughs> one could say. So, um, yeah, um, always amazes, right? The um, eight different decks in the top eight. So our format is definitely diverse and uh, seems to stay diverse. And it just was a very pleasant experience playing in the tournament, um, getting to talk with people from all over Germany. Yeah, it's a very nice thing to have, right? To have a, a new tournament series status. I actually have uh, no clue. Um, how often do you have tournaments in Finland, if I might ask? Uh, we have like uh, once every week. Uh, that's what we try to do, like these weekly smaller events. But then we have the, the Highlander Champs every year, which is like this bigger, bigger event, I, <clears throat> I think you could say. I see. And also, uh, just a heads up from the top eight, you actually missed one deck. There's, there was also the, the fourth uh, deck, which was Mono Blue Tempo. Oh, that yeah, that's actually a very eight. interesting one. <laughs> How could yeah. I miss that? <laughs> yeah. No, no worries. But yeah, I, I really agree with you. The top eight seems very diverse. There's some control deck, there's some combo, there is some uh, mid-range with the four-color blood. 
I guess there isn't like any dedicated aggro decks, like the green ramp deck is the closest we're gonna get to an aggro deck, but still, I, I mean, this this just really speaks for itself that the Highlander metagame is very diverse and very, like, uh, how could you say it? Very, very diverse, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And also one thing you could probably take away from this topic is that people do not like lands. We have a list with 24 lands here, the Mono Blue Tempo deck. The list with 27 lands. So the, the Blue Tempo decks definitely are, are cutting lands and getting leaner. So that's actually uh, it, uh, kind of a trend we see in at least in Germany. I don't know the, the, the Finnish metagame too well, to be completely honest with you, but it is actually insane to me how you go uh, play 24 lands. You have like 51% chance to draw two lands in your opener. But it worked for him. That's actually super interesting. Yeah, definitely. And we uh, have some, some innovation on that front as well, I guess. New tech. And I think um, nobody will be really surprised to see Grixis against Scapeshift in the finals, I guess. But I think uh, the Scapeshift list is also very innovative, not being the good old, one could say, stock four-color list, branching out into the fifth color and basically giving the deck a new angle. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, actually one of the things uh, I wanted to talk with you since we since we are lucky enough to have you on board today about the, the, the uh, general talk with the scapeshift decks, like there's the three-color deck, there's the four-color build, and then there's the five-color build, which you think, uh, what do you think is the I don't know, I guess you could say correct or the best build of Scapeshift currently in Highlander? I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I, I worked a little bit with the pilot of the five-color build and I also played the five-color build uh, in the, the, the summer last year. So I, from a Berlin perspective, you could say the five-color build is like the state of the art and definitely the preferred version. I, don't even know what what colors would you play in your three color version. Is it a Finnish thing to play Scapeshift in like Timur or something? Uh, here it's 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 been like either it's been Timur Scapeshift, just okay. the one you mentioned, or then the four color one. I haven't seen five color that often, but um, I could be wrong. There definitely could be five color Scapeshift too. But that's I've been, I've seen Timur and then the four color ones. I see. Yeah. I, I remember playing against a Finnish Scapeshift pilot in the first uh, Continental Cup, exactly. I think he played four color, yeah. It was a very interesting list. Yeah, I mean, I've not seen Timur myself, so I cannot talk about that really, but I s just suspect that you have to play lots of basic mountains, and that's probably not great for the deck. Um, I mean, Scapeshift in general has like this basic problem that you're playing a blue-green deck, and in the four-color version, you have to play lots of black-red dual lands. So that's like the, the basic tension of the deck. You are like, how, and, and now you have basically, I think some of the best card sketch you've got since Bring to Light is Field of the Dead. So you definitely want to play Field of the Dead, and Field of the Dead basically restricts building your mana base in a huge way. You basically can play at maximum two basic lands of each type, one snow-covered and one normal, to facilitate your field of the dead, in, or maximize it, you could say. And that is basically the idea behind the five-color version, to maximize field of the dead. You might have uh, seen that we play Primeval Titan now, because it's just super broken, to yeah. <laughs> make your Primeval Titan basically a Grave Titan as well. And um, this is basically to maximize. So the mana is, is in the four-color version is, is really bad because you have to play lots of tap lands, right? The Cinder Glades and the, the Cycle Mountains, the red, uh, black, and the red-green Cycle Lands. Yeah, yeah. And I actually played Scapeshift the tournament before this, and I lost a lot of games because my mana was just not bad in a sense that I couldn't cast my cards, but it was very slow. And the five-color version, you get to play Sacred Foundry and you get to play Plateau. So it makes your mana actually faster. The mana does not get worse in the sense that you can't cast your cards. And you obviously get better cards due to the, to the new splash. The power level also goes up. So from my perspective, it's, the five-color version is very, very superior. Yeah, that's actually interesting. Like Generally speaking, when it's like you add more colors to your deck, your mana base gets worse in in some sense but now that it's 
it's pretty interesting to hear that you go to five colors and the mana base is actually better in a sense. So that that's pretty interesting actually. Yeah, and I mean, I think his the list that we saw in the last tournament is a little bit greedy. I would not play the, the double black cards, but obviously it worked for him. But he made some uh, concessions towards the mana base. He's not playing Counterspell, for example, because it's pretty hard to get double blue on two, I assume, in this list. But uh, also it makes some cards that you already played better. I mean, Bring to Light for five is a huge example. Yeah? You get Bring to Light for Titania, which is insane. In, in most cases, and you get Golos, which is a new hot card, I think, with Fear of the Dead in the deck, which you get to activate if you play five colors. So oh, there's yeah, exactly. lots, lots of upside um, playing five colors. And then Golos is also, Golos for Fear of the Dead is, I mean, everybody who's played standard the last year had to endure that combo, I'd say. And it's very, very it's also very, very strong in Highland if you get to ramp into that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's basically, I would prefer the five color uh, over the four-color list any day of the week. I don't know the three-color versions well enough to, to say if it's better than, than Timo Scapeshift, for example. I played a little bit of Jan Scapeshift a couple of weeks ago, which is pretty decent, but had a bad combo matchup. But I, if you want to play Scapeshift, my advice would try out the five-color version. Tinker was it. So also, there's probably work to be done, like, like always playing Magic. But uh, the general idea, maximizing Field of the Dead and getting to play untapped lands, I think is like the takeaway of the list, and that's very, very strong in that sense. All right. Uh, yeah, that, that definitely sounds sounds about right. I, I, I really agree with those assessments, even though I haven't played a tons of Scapeshift, but like you have a great point, and I, like, I, I think I'm, I'm going to agree with those really a lot. So... Uh, did you have any of this? Uh, did you want to take a closer look at any of the lists, or is this it for the for the tournament section? I actually, I wanted to talk about the the Izzet list a little bit. I don't know if you if you've looked it up. I found found it very interesting. There are lots of interesting card choices. Very it's more of a slow list, not a tempo or mid range list. It's more like a control deck. Uh, there are some card choices in there. What do you think about God Eternal Kefnet, for example? Uh, there was the oh Cardinal Card Eternal Cabinet. I, yeah. I have to actually look that card up. Uh, oh, that that's actually pretty nice. Yeah, four 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 five flying. The ability is pretty nice. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. I haven't seen this card like ever basically, but or like in any deck. But it looks interesting. I'm not sure if it's good enough, but I mean. This player top aided, so I assume it was good. Yeah, I actually wanted to talk about this because I played it myself in Grixis Control, and I think the card is pretty strong. And it's like, I would advise people trying it out. I mean, it obviously is a legendary creature, so it has a little bit of the Caracas problem. Yeah. But, uh, especially in decks where you play Burn, it's just pretty insane to get to cast uh, two Lightning Bolts, basically. You get the one card for free. If it's like an Incinerate type, type card. I mean, if you look at the, the spades they can play, I mean, if you price of progress your opponent <laughs> with yeah. the trigger and then price them again, that's going to be pretty dirty. But I would actually want to talk about this couple of things. I think it's actually pretty strong. If it it's also has a huge body, it basically blocks everything. I would probably advise people to try that card out. That is a very, very strong card in my opinion, and I like seeing it in this list. Yeah, like four, four or five flyer is, is, uh, is nothing to sneeze at, I think. Especially if you uh, think about the, the god text, basically, that you can't really kill that thing. I just, I think yesterday or Friday, I scooped just to this card with Grixis because once it's on the table, you basically, you kill it and it comes back three turns later. It's very, I think people should try that thing. It's, I think it's interesting and I think it's also strong. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other one that actually caught my eye in this uh, deck is, well, it's it's basically in all the Blue Moon decks, and I mean, this is a Blue Moon deck, essentially, uh, is the, the Mystic Sanctuary. That's a pretty nice land. I, I, I think uh, that's pretty nice. The fact that you can, like, get it with fetch lands in this deck, you play tons of islands, so it's like, it should be always active. And just, you know, getting back wh whatever spell you basically have used in the past, it's it's just a lot of value, I think, for a land. I think it's actually the second best card behind Oko from Throne of Eldraine. 
Yeah. Uh, is very insane. And actually, he thinks the card is so insane that he's not playing Blood Moon because it fizzes the Sanctuary. Yeah, so yeah. If you want to have a takeaway about the power levels this card, I think that says a lot. If you're not playing Blood Moon in, in Is It because the Sanctuary is so strong, uh, in his mind, I talked a little bit about this topic with the pilot. So, yeah, that card is absolutely absurd. And it, it and I mean, it just goes insane with gush. Like <laughs> you just yeah. return the sanctuary back to your hand. That's yeah. just disgusting. Yeah, exactly. Like the first time I played against him, I actually was not very happy about the sequence. I got bribery twice. Oh, <laughs> 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 you got my primeval titan and then my titania, which is pretty funny actually. But yeah, no, the card is the card is super strong. I mean, people who play a decent amount of islands and it also checks with dual lands should probably have this card in their deck. Yeah, very, very strong card. Definitely. All right. So, uh, did you have anything else in mind, or are we gonna move to Terrace? Uh, yeah. I mean, one one remark is uh, I think I said already. If you want to win in, in Highlander, you just play the green-based ramp deck. He top eighted seven out of the last eight tournaments he played. In two of those tournaments were ninety people tournaments. If you want to, <laughs> I think it's probably the best deck in Highlander right now. If you want my opinion on that. Wow, that that's bold, but yeah. Just a remark on the the, the nickname Cradle Hoof deck. That deck is just the total nuts. Just just a remark for people who want to win in our format. For my in my perspective. All yeah. right, awesome. So um, I think that covers it for the Mind Game Majors Berlin event. Awesome event, and I hope we see see more of these events in the in the future. So um, right now we're gonna hop into the the new set, Terrors Beyond Death, and uh, spoilers. So me and Niels have picked up uh, like well, basically our top five of cards that are interesting that we think. Are gonna be good, and I think are gonna see decent amount of play in in different decks. And I, I think many of these cards are gonna actually see lots of play in outside of Highlander as well. So um, I'm gonna kick things off with my uh, first pick. I, I believe this was also on your list, but um, or maybe not. But but whatever. This this card is awesome. I think I'm actually gonna hate playing against this. Mm -hmm. So the Kunaros Hound of Ather or Atheros, so it's the the three mana three three legendary creature hound. What do you yeah. think about the card? I'm actually not that high on that card. I mean, I think it depends on your meta game. If the card is just a three three with upsides, and we have lots of three mana three threes with a lot of upside in our format, or if the card is actually going to be strong. If you encounter a lot of reanimators, the card is obviously going to be good. It obviously has a little bit of downside being a legendary creature, right? So you have like a free loss condition in if your opponent has Caracas. Reanimator was actually the most played deck in Berlin. It's a mind game major, so I think the card has a lot of merit, but I'm not that high on the card because it's just if you do not meet the, the criteria that the last two uh, lines of text are relevant. I think it's just another mid-range beta that also can get bounced by Caracas, which is most of the time not great for you. I mean, sometimes you maybe can bounce it back to your hand and save it from a removes, but most of the time you're going to lose a lot of tempo if your opponent's Caracas. So not that high on the card. I mean, it's definitely a good all-around card. Maybe that's good enough. And it's also in a little bit weird color combination, right? Yeah, it's black and white exactly. and then colorless. So uh, I think, uh, especially for the for the Finnish meta game, this card is going to be pretty good. I think that's why I'm a little bit higher on the card than you are because, like, uh, Reanimator is uh, just keeps doing well here in the the Highlander champs, like every single year. Um, then there's uh, like a lot of graveyard decks. There's like multiple storm decks here and that sort of okay. thing. So I think here, like Kunoros is going to shine a little bit more. It does like suck a little bit that it gets hit by Caracas, like you said, but three mana tree tree with uh, three nice abilities regarding combat is nice. It's like decent against burn even, or not the red decks, but I mean, of course it just gets lightning bolted, which does suck a little bit. But like here where there's a lot of graveyard decks and reanimator, I think Kunoros is something, actually my, my friend is going to put it in his uh, Abzan mid range deck. 
just because there are like these decks that are soft to Kunoros, but it's it, I think it's a bit of a meta game card, I would say. Agreed. If you have a decent amount of Storm and Reanimator, it's definitely, I mean, the card has no real downside, right? It's a pretty decent card, and if you have a decent amount of these uh, type of decks in your meta game, it's definitely going to be winning you some games, which is obviously a huge upset. But in Berlin, we have like one Storm player who does not attend very regularly. Yeah. So, you know, that's basically a metagame call. Yeah, but as you can see, if you, the metagame is shaped the way it is in you described, I can definitely see it being a very, very decent and potentially even game-winning 3-drop. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, so uh, would you like to choose the next card? We can like do it, you know, one by one. Okay. Well, I basically um, decided that I wanted to t uh, put cards in my top five um, under the perspective of seeing the most play and maybe being the best cards in the certain um, decks I go in. I think actually Maya Triton is a, a, probably the best card in the set for Highlander, which is a two mana, two one, one in the black, death touch, and uh, has an ETB trigger that mills yourself for two and gains it two life. So I might actually be pretty biased because the last deck I played was Grixis with five death spells. So that is actually the card I want in that deck. It does it's not quite Baleful Strix, obviously, but it has a, it's a two-drop body with Death Touch. It's very easy to cast. It uh, facilitates death spells and it gains a little bit of life, which is not going to be relevant a lot of the time, but also never going to be irrelevant. I think it's just a very decent card. I've seen it since the release, so since Friday in three different decks already. So, yeah. I'm very, very high on that card. Maybe I will be proven wrong, but I think that card is very, very strong, especially in conjunction with death spells. Yeah, this was something that when I looked at the card, I was like, eh, like, what, what does this really do? But now that you explain it, like, you know, with Delve and those sorts of things, it actually looks like it doesn't, it's not like this, you know, gigantic music rare thing that, like, has tons of lines of text. But now that you think about it, it, it does, like, you know, these small intricate things, and, and there there could be space for it. I, I, I definitely want to see it happen. Yeah, it's, it's does a lot of little intricate things. So that's the thing that's uh, the, the whole package is what makes it uh, a very decent card, I think. Yeah, yeah and just for two mana. Yeah, exactly. I think I really like that. And especially decks like Grixis do kind of lack a little bit of proactive two drops because it's not uh, trivial to have a dude beating against a combo deck and facilitating a death split. It's, I think it's a very good card. Yeah. Actually. All right. So uh, next up, well, this is going to be a mythic rare gigantic bomb. So Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath. So this is the the blue green Elder Giant. Uh, so when it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. And when it enters the battlefield or attacks, you gain three life. You draw a card, and then you can put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. And you can escape it for green, green, blue, blue, and you exile five other cards. So I think this one, it, this one is just a lot of value. You know, you can just play this turn three. You draw a card, you gain a life, you ramp yourself, and then maybe turn two, turn or two later, you can just escape it, and you have a six-six body and tons of value. So. Yeah, I, I agree. If Uro is uh, number five on my list, so I also think it's a very strong card. But I think it's. Also a very slow card, and I think it's also in a like weird color combination. I mean, blue green got pushed a lot with Oko, obviously, and uh, it's definitely getting more play. But I actually think Uro and Oko, for example, do not go in the same deck. So I was thinking about what sh what the archetypes are that I would want to play this. And the first thing that comes to mind is Scapeshift, obviously. Yeah. But then in Scapeshift, Explore-type cards are also not that great because you really need to hit your land drops. So basically, Rampant Growth is way better than Explore and Scapeshift under normal circumstances. And um, five cards, I don't know, it's a little bit hard to cast on the, on the um, backside, on the escape part, especially if you want to play the five-color version, which I would want right now. Yeah, I'm actually not super high, but I think it has potential. I saw the other Titan get played yesterday against Control and just got played four times, I think. So if you have a Control-heavy meta and you want to jam this card, it's going to obviously be good. But I don't really see the deck it goes into besides Scape Shift right about now. Yeah, I think like the, the first instinct for, for me was like, this could be a card in Scape Shift. 
I don't know if it's anywhere else, but I mean, this card is seeing tons of play in other formats too. I think it's a, I think it's a home run, like in the end. But it doesn't go into like every deck ever. It it does require something, something for for it to like really make it work. But I think it's a cool card, a lot of cool abilities and a nice body and everything. So I, I like the card. Yeah, agreed. Also, it's not a bad thing that it does not go in everything. I mean, we had enough Okos last year, I think. Yeah, and yeah. The power levels that are just. Home runs in a sense that you just jam that in every deck, no matter what the deck does or what the plan is. So I'm not really a fan of these kind of cards. I'm actually pretty glad we got a lot of cards that are cool and that are applicable in certain decks, but no cards that is like this super insane staple like Oko or Renin 6 or all these cards yeah. we got last year. I'm actually pretty happy about the set in yeah, that sense. I, I agree. All right, so next pick is yours. I have my number two is actually Shadow Spear. Um, I think it's very efficient. I've seen it in play now a couple of times, and I uh, it's basically solved the problem I had with Stoneforge Mystic for a couple of years now. I played lots of Jeskai, and basically the Stoneforge package normally is better skill than some sword. Most of the time it's sword of fire and ice because it's just objectively most powerful. Yeah, and against lots of matchups, you did not really want to get better skill or the sword because it just was too slow. Retic wins other aggro decks. We have a search of Rector's aggro right now in Berlin, for example. And the spear is a pretty good equipment that is very, very easy to cast and does not rely on your Stoneforge Mystic to be in play to be good. And obviously, um, being a one mana artifact that gives your creature plus one plus land, trample and lifelink equipped for two, it's pretty good against aggro. You can squeeze it into your turn with other plays. And I think you can just go better school, uh, better sky plus shadow spear now without the sword. Have a decent equipment that is, does not rely on your Stoneforge staying in play because that is never going to happen against decks like Red Deck Wins. So I'm yeah, pretty, I, I, I really like that card. It obviously, uh, to make this point, synergizes with lots of cards like Dreadhought Arcanist, for example, that you play in Jeskai very well. Yeah, exactly. The problem with Batter Skull is like if your Stoneforge gets removed, then it's like. It's gonna be so slow getting that Batter Skull into play. This is just one mana. Like you don't like even need to Stoneforge it. You you absolutely can, but like you can just play this and equip it. And it, yeah, like it's it's gonna be insane against aggro decks. Like you get Trample and Lifelink. So if you need to be defensive, you can just equip it and sit there. You have a big Lifelink blocker, and then if you want to attack, you also have Trample to push through. Like potential jump blockers and just for one mana and equip for two like it's very cheaply costed I, I like the card yeah agreed and obviously the other uh, ability that you can uh, make a permanent your opponent controls lose hexproof and indestructible is also not going to come up a, a lot but it's also not relevant especially for playing Jessica a lot I had a lot of problems with run I don't know how prevalent this card is in, fin in Finland but there are a couple cards that are uh, really hard to deal with, and it's just upside true. Yeah, it's, it's one, it's, cards like Thrunning, for example, right? Yeah, it's one of those things like it's you most likely aren't going to need it, but it's there if you need it, so exactly. might as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's a very right. good around card, I think. So uh, next up, uh, I chose... Uh, I, I think this is going to be the one that we're going to talk about a little bit. Uh, Triad of the Elysian Grove. So this is the... 3 mana 2-4 basically is an exploration, so allows you to play additional one, one additional land each turn, and then all your lands you control are every basic land type in addition to their types. So this card is, uh, is already seeing a lot of play in Modern, in like the Titan and the, the Valakut decks, obviously, so scapeshift style strategies, since this makes all your lands also mountains, so like scapeshift of six lands is, is lethal. Um, uh, also just allows you to ramp, which is nice, and also having a 2-4 body is, is pretty good, I think. You know, you can block like some some early creatures with this. I, I think this card is overall pretty solid for 3 mana. Yeah, I think it's just a home run for Scapeshift. I mean, you need to play a decent amount of lands to make this the second effect, uh, the first line of text relevance, the exploration effect, but it's, it's obviously a thing you want to do in Scapeshift anyway. Fixing your mana is obviously always a great thing, giving those basic land types, as you mentioned, very, very relevant. 
has a little bit of downside being an enchantment. I don't know how often that happened to you. Um, getting you on a cross of crew fix kit by a night of autumn, it's gonna happen. But uh, yeah, obviously very very solid card. I have that card also on my list, and I think it's just a home run for for any scape shift list. Um, two four yeah. body for three is also just gonna be very very decent against the aggressive deck. So basically, does everything you want in the deck, and I. Yeah, it's a very, very strong card, I think, in every aspect, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so go ahead, uh, make the next choice. You had the next one. Okay, my, actually, we talked about a couple cards from my list, so my number four is actually, and it's, it's probably going to be a little bit controversial, is Birth of Miletus, which is a two-mana uh, saga, which is one and a white. Uh, the first uh, part basically lets you fetch a planes. The second one gives you an 0-4 wall. And the third uh, part, before you sacrifice it, gets you two life. So I actually played this card in standard blue-white control a bunch, and the card is pretty nuts. It's basically, you can say, better wall of omens if it doesn't get killed, obviously, but that's not going to happen to your two-mana saga too often. Fetches the planes, makes you an 0-4 wall, and gains two life. So that card, I don't know, it's, it's very, very... It's obviously a control card. Blue-white X control decks are going to love this card. I think it's, it's does everything you want for very low mana. You obviously need to make your land drops. It's going to help with that. So overall, is, for toughness, is actually very, very relevant against most creature strategies and the gain for two lives, obviously. A little bit of upside. I'm very high on this card because I have made made some experiences with it in, in standard the last couple of days and it, I think it's a very underrated card right now in our community. Yeah, the the card looks very subtle. Like when I saw the card I was like, eh, you know, it it's just it's just like so subtle and it does like these small things, but in, in like a very defensive like blue white style deck, it kinda does it all. Like, you know, you get a land, you gain some life, you get a 04 blocker, which is very nice. So it's it's again like a very very subtle effect, but in in like a very defensive control deck, I can see this working absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a really high. I'm, I would urge people to try it. I'm, I think it's a pretty good card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, actually, my um, sort of the the last and juiciest pick because this this card has been discussed a lot, uh, especially us with the storm players. Uh, the yeah. Underworld Breach, so it's the, the two-mana Yagmoth's will, yeah. uh, so everyone is saying, but uh, I'm going to be a little bit of a, a party pooper here and say that I'm not very sold on this card. Uh, I definitely see the usages, like, definitely, it's it's basically a two-mana Yagmoth's will, sure, but you need to, like, if you really want to get a lot of bang out of your buck with Underworld Breach, you need a lot of cards in your graveyard, and I don't mean like 10 cards, you need like 20 plus more in order to make this card like really, really worth it. And also with our uh, Mikko, who also plays Storm in Helsinki, yeah. uh, we don't even play red in Storm currently, because red just doesn't offer good enough cards. Uh, this is actually uh, something that um, I believe his name is Karsten Götter from yeah. your community who plays Storm. He's always on the, the five-color build or the build with red mana. Uh, we have like forsaken red mana completely. I just think you need a little bit like too much resources in order to make this work, I think. Yeah, he's on the red list because he's very high on the red rituals, actually, because it says it's a part of the deck that makes it more explosive so that's why he's on the <coughs> red list if i remember correctly I talked a while back about some with him um yeah considering Arnold breach i mean if it's gonna be good in any deck it's gonna be broken i mean i think it's the most obviously breakable card out of the new set and it obviously has a little bit of problems. I mean, you can basically <laughs> build your own combo deck with it, right? You need an uh, Lion's Eye Diamond and Brain Freeze, and then you can basically go off, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, that was actually what I was just about to say, that uh, the first combo we came up with this was with Lion's Eye Diamond and Brain Freeze. Like, you generate a bunch of Storm, then you Brain Freeze yourself. Well, now you have a gigantic graveyard, and now you can just let Brain Freeze and da-da-da, and, 
you know, win the game. And like, exactly. the, there are certainly ways to go about doing it. And also the good thing with Underworld Breach is that unlike Past in Flames, which is something that this gets referred to a lot, uh, Underworld Breach, uh, uh, like it gives them, it gives your non-land cards escape. So even cards that come into your graveyard after you've played Underworld Breach, they still have escape. Whereas with Past in Flames, only the spells that are currently in your graveyard get the, the flashback bonus. So that's that's definitely a bonus too. Yeah, I have, this, I have this idea of playing this. I mean, you basically need three parts, right, to get this combo going. You merchant, yeah, uh, LED, Breach, and Brain Freeze. So just play a Trinket Mage, Merchant Scroll package, and play this in a control deck. That's my idea for it. Uh, just play the three cards, not go all in on the Storm combo. But um, obviously, has some other problems. I mean, if you get that thing abrupticate with something on this deck, it's going to be pretty bad for you. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> like you. Being an enchantment is also probably a downside, I would say, in that uh, sense. And I'm not as good of a storm player as a couple years back I played the deck, but I do not think you, you need this. I mean, I don't think there's a problem playing Storm, is, you may correct me, is finding your Yagmoth's will or not having enough yeah. access to Yagmoth's will. That's not really the problem the deck has, so I don't think it, Underworld Breach really solves the problem that the deck has, I think. it's Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, like in my eyes, I think if you want a red card that gives you, you know, your graveyard access, play Past in Flames. That's just, that's my honest opinion with the card. But like you said, if if this card is is going to be good, it's going to be broken. And it's definitely those cards that people are like tinkering with a lot, you know, just trying to like break it in any way possible. Exactly. Uh, I think there's going to be a deck for it, but it's not the current build of Storm in Highlander. It's going to okay. be like a different build, like yeah. you mentioned it. Agree. Yeah, I mean, also, when the <laughs> nobody knows exactly why the cards don't exile. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the first line of text. I was wondering why do the cards not, not exile? It's so obviously breakable and it's been broken in Pioneer, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like <laughs> it's so obviously that it's either going to be really bad or it's going to be broken. There's probably not going to be a middle ground on that card. Yeah, I'm yeah really definitely. sure about the design philosophy behind that. Okay, uh, so did you have any? Did you have your? Uh, did you have one more pick or? I we basically just cast my five picks. I think there are pretty decent role players. Otherwise, in the set like Ghost Rider in Pattern Rector is obviously going to be great. Yeah. Also, uh, like Tassa's intervention, the blue one, that's going to be decent. I think at least worth a try. Um, I think like, it's a little bit too slow, right? Yeah, but, it is a slow card. Definitely. But it's obviously very flexible. Yeah. I play uh, again. Today is the first time in standard, and I did not read that you have to pay X twice if it gets countered. So that was pretty bad for me. <laughs> yeah. so it's better than I thought at first. I, I give, yeah. give you that for sure. I, I think this set, like overall, has a lot of powerful cards. Like we we are not gonna cover all of them, otherwise we would be here for the next six hours. But um, like overall, that the set has a lot of like good cards that you can consider. I think. Exactly. I mean, the one card we could probably talk about for like a minute is Nylea's Intervention, the other Intervention card. Getting to search a library for X lands is pretty good. If that's going to be good at any point, I don't know, getting Dark Depths or Dark Depths combo or some other shenanigans. I think that card is, is very, very high potential. Yeah, like you you can find the Dark Depths, you can find Tolarian Academy, you can find Inventors oh there, like... <laughs> remind me. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. There are a lot of good lands you can get with it. So, like I said, there's going to be a lot of awesome cards that exactly. I think people are going to try. All right, so uh, yeah, Taros looks awesome. Awesome that we get to visit that world again. So now we're gonna divert our way into the council news. So Niels, uh, you can continue from here. Yeah, um, so basically we had uh, watch list changes um, being foreshadowed, one could probably say. So Oath of Druids if, is back on the watch list, if I remember correctly. Yes. And that is actually something I am very, very happy about. So I was pretty upset when Oath of Druids left the watch list because I think it is probably top five pure power level 
in our format in general. The card also drew. It's it's just a very absurd card that is when it comes down early, very hard to interact with and just prohibits the strategies that are getting played the most in our format being creature strategies by a lot. So I think the cards is probably the best card in Reanimator, I would say. And I'm I'm very happy that we now have the um, have the opportunity back to do something about this about the card if Reanimator keeps doing very well, which is it is probably top three decks at the moment. So having the option back to potentially do something about the card if the card gets too oppressive is something I'm very very uh, happy about. Well, I'm actually going to be on the opposite camp, but uh, this is mainly because I play out of truth myself. Uh, so, but I mean, the, the card is absurd. Like, it, it's basically a two mana thing that prevents your opponent from doing the most fundamental thing in magic, which is like casting creatures. You, you just cannot play a creature strategy if out of truth is on play. I mean, it's, it's a broken card. And it doesn't really matter what comes out of out of truth, like where, whether it's Crystal Brand or like any sort of big fatty creature or whether it's like they mill their entire deck and just kill you with i don't know something like that it's it's equally bad like no matter what comes out of out of treats i would be very sad if it actually got banned because i love it in storm but um but i mean the, the card is busted like i think easily on the top five of the power level cards like what it does just alone, just by being there, it like invalidates these strategies. I actually cannot remember how often I killed my creature turn two to not give the opponent an O's trigger. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, it's that very, I don't know, it's just so powerful and it's never ever gonna be fair. No. <laughs> in, in any regard, and it's always gonna be probably in the top five cards. So. I mean, I'm also not saying you should ban Oath of Druids, but I think on the, it should be on the watch list because the card is just too powerful to not be on the watch list, to not at least have the opportunity to do something about it if we have like seven reanimator, one storm deck in the next top eight of the big yeah. determinant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, I'm, it's I'm, a card we have to keep like uh, a constant eye on, but at exactly. least that's not ban it yet, but let's see what happens. Exactly. So I'm, I'm 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 very happy with that choice. I'm not saying Bennett, but I'm happy that we at least keep in mind that it's very very powerful. Yeah, yeah. they definitely agree with it. Decision. All right. Yeah. So, so next up, well, I'm just gonna shortly steal this one. So Entomb left the watch list. What do you think about that? Okay, that is probably the second best card in Reanimator. Yeah. <laughs> After Oath of Druids, um, I. I actually think that's okay. I'm not not too concerned with that. I mean, Entomb is a very powerful card because it lets you, in Reanimator, gets you the fatty of your choice, which is very, very powerful, given that some fatties are not good in certain matchups. So you just... You don't need a discard outlet. You just... Uh, it's very powerful, but I mean... It's also never going to do anything fair when it got unbanned. I hope people would get like life from the loan with it or something like that, which never happened. Um, I've actually had it happen multiple times. We have like these lands deck in the Finnish metagames and they go like turn one and tomb, get life from the loam and start to start to get to work. It's, it's a very powerful card, but I don't think the card is like that broken or like that it it should be on the watch list, at least not, not currently, but... Uh, I'm fine with it leaving the, the watch list, at least for now. Yeah, I agree. There's also there's a fundam fundamental difference uh, to Oath of Druids. A card does not do something by itself, right? It yeah. just is a setup card, so it needs another card to do something. I mean, we have a mono-black player that regularly gets Hogak with it, which is pretty sweet, but it also requires him to have two creatures in the yard and some cards to, uh, to delve for it. So it's a very, very powerful setup card, but it's a setup card, and in that sense, I think it's it's okay, and it's uh, definitely should be part of the format. And the fundamental difference, as I mentioned, is just it's it's not a broken card in itself. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm also not against this decision. I actually think it's fine. Yep. Exactly. So we had the the schedule changes, I believe. Yeah, exactly. 
so starting this year, we will use a new schedule for watchlist and banlist announcement. So the watchlist announcement will be August 1st, 2022. 22, uh, 2020, excuse me, yeah. and then the February 1st, 2021, as uh, as well as the ban list announcement uh, will be May 1st, 2020, and then November 1st, 2020. So that's just something new that we'll be doing for the uh, for the whole watch list, ban list announcement uh, schedule thing and that's mostly because of the the christmas and new year new year thing is busy for all of us so that's just something that hopefully makes things um a little bit uh easier easier yeah. in the future especially <laughs> on the council members because they also have families and want to celebrate christmas without preparing <laughs> highlander magic bandless changes probably well, yeah not, not too big of a change but uh yeah also good uh, to know because, uh, I mean, at least I do anticipate these changes. So good to know uh, when we can expect some discussion and some potential changes in the watch and ban list. Yeah. So uh, last topic uh, for today, uh, we're going to a little uh, talk a little bit about, uh, well, we actually briefly touched on it already, but... Uh, the card Oko Thief of Crowns, obviously it's been banned in almost every format that it can get banned currently, uh, which is uh, pretty insane. Like, is it, it's banned in Standard, Brawl, Pioneer, and Modern, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, exactly. I mean, the, the, card is, the card is very much obsolete and... Uh, this it's been a card that's like been at least here it's been like dividing opinions like some people are like yeah it's a one-off and Highlander is is like pretty powerful format that like Oko is fine fine here but uh, what's your take on Oko what do you think about the card okay um, we, we the this, uh, this, uh, um, opinion here is split as well yeah with people who are absolutely going full tilt if they see the card being played and don't want to play magic anymore then we have people that uh, think it's it's kind of fine and i'm i'm not sure yet i think uh, the restricting part of the card is that it has simic mana costs so that is a thing to keep in mind uh, um the card is obviously the, the fundamental problem with the card is i think it is as good against everything and wins the game by itself and it is hard to interact with so there's a lot of things going for it that make it very powerful and very frustrating to play against. And if you want my opinion on that, it's also not very rewarding to play with it because it does not feel very good to just make a food attacks your opponent. So it brought a lot of decks back that were not really seen, at least here. We saw a lot of Timur, Zoltai and Band being played the last tournaments, which is obviously a good thing. Decks coming back. More more decks being played that were not played um, beforehand, but I, this is almost this kind of card. I don't know. I remember the, the the last Continental Cup. The it's I never experienced that that one card shaped the mindset of so many people so much. Like Oko basically was was everywhere in everyone's mind. It was the only topic that was talked about, and I. I played Oko and Scapeshift and I had people to my left and to my right, like five people, everything had, everybody had Oko on board, uh, loyalty ranging from like 10 to 15. Yeah. So it was, this is, I've never experienced that, to be honest, in Highlander Magic, that one card polarizes so much. So, and power level wise, I think it's, it's a little bit too strong. I, I would not be sad if it got banned at all, but I also can see the argument saying it has a very prohibitive mana cost. And it supports decks that are not played or were not played a lot beforehand, before Oko got printed, basically. But the problem being is that it's just good against literally everything, like against every deck, every archetype, against combo, against control. And it just, you know, it's hard, very hard to interact with a Highlander. We don't have a lot of Planeswalker removal. Yeah. So I'm not, not very happy about that card, to be honest. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a stupid design mistake. I think that's been covered covered many times. Uh, like you said, it, it's it's literally it's good against any deck, and it's just like it's it's a three mana planeswalker that like wins the game on its own. It doesn't need any help. It doesn't need any setup. Like 
you just play it. You just you just use it a couple of turns, and you're just you're just so far ahead. Uh, I would not like. It's a difficult discussion because the card hasn't been around for that long. Exactly. Uh, uh, I think we need like more data on it. We need to see it being played more uh, before we before we can like make any sort of assumptions with it. But it sort of like reminds me of True Name Nemesis in the sense that it's a tree trap that can just win the game by itself and really doesn't need any any help. Of course, Nemesis is a whole another discussion. We won't go to that uh, today, but like they, they resemble each other in that sort of way. They are both just three drops that can win the game by themselves and don't really need any help. But uh, I would say let it let it be in the format for now. Let's let's listen to the community, like how they feel about the card. Like if it starts to like dominate too much and like people are constantly complaining about it, and there's a clear indication that it does. It shouldn't be in this format. Then let's, I mean, let let the council take a look at it and let's let's hear the community and make our decisions based on on those things once we know more. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. We should definitely give it some time because the cards like what legal for a couple months now. So yeah, one hundred percent agree with the statements there. All right, so um, I believe that does it for the council news. So uh, we're going to wrap up this episode for now. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. We took a we take a we took a small look to the Terrors Beyond Death. I hope I hope I hopefully we picked up some interesting cards for you. And like I said, there are still many other cards we couldn't couldn't uh, take a look right now so definitely an interesting set highlander wise and just an overall great great set uh we had an awesome tournament in mind game mages berlin uh great diverse top eight and overall highlander looks very very good currently at least in at least in my eyes there are like some cards like oko and out of truids that we need to keep an eye on but nothing too too stupid is going going around currently and yeah, uh, like always, all of you dear, dear followers out there, if you have any ideas, wishes, what you want to hear uh, about Highlander, like if we, if you want that we'll discuss more about the watch list or council or basically anything, let us let us know, let me know, let Stephanie know, let uh, Thomas know, let Niels know, <laughs> let anyone know in our forums, in our Facebook groups, we will. Definitely keep monitoring your feedback of this podcast. So, yeah, uh, Niels, thank you so much for joining us. It was a real honor to have you uh, covering the, the Scapeshift archetypes. So thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So until next time, people, uh, happy Highlandering and, I don't know, preach those underworlds, I guess. So thanks a lot, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.